0: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's otv slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
1: Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel. And before we get into the episode, I want to tell you, we have some amazing guests today. We have Daryl McDaniels, the DMC of Run DMC. He's here to talk rock, metal, hip hop, rap. We cover it all. And he's always such a pleasure to talk to. And he's such a fan of the music that we love, the classic hard rock and heavy metal. So stay tuned for that. It's a, just a fantastic interview. All the stories are there so uh just stay tuned for that and we also have a guy named watt white who lives in my town who's got a really cool thing happening that has to do with ghost so stay tuned for that we're going to talk with him and then chris aiken from the classic metal show is here to talk about his new book which is about the turbo record judas Priest's turbo record which is an album i really like and I was just recently going back and revisiting that record with YouTube Music, and it sounds so good. And YouTube Music is just a great new app that combines everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube. And it just all comes to life there on YouTube Music. With YouTube Music Premium, you'll get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while using other apps. Get music whenever you want, even if you're offline. Download the new YouTube music app today and start a free 30-day trial. If you don't like it, you can cancel after 30 days. It's You won't pay a cent. And if you do like it, it's just $9.99 per month after that. Of course, the terms and restrictions apply. All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also gonna jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids. Trick or Treat by Fastway. That comes from the soundtrack to the Trick or Treat movie, which featured Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne in the movie, as well as the guy who played Skippy on Family Ties. And I'm hanging here with Emily. How are you, Emily? Awesome. And another person from Maplewood, Watt White. Watt, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. And you did something really cool recently that I want to talk about, and uh We're gonna we're gonna also hear from Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC in just a bit, as well as Chris Aikens. So stay tuned for that. But why you did this amazing thing and you sent it to you texted it to me. And we're both big Ghost fans. Yes. And and when you sent me this, I was just like, oh wow, this is a really cool thing. It's it's somebody doing the Ghostbusters theme in in the style of Ghosts. Of course. And it wasn't, as you do, as you do, yeah, and it was amazing. <laughs> and I, I played it for Emily, and yeah. I was like, "This is really funny." Oh, right. I sent it to my friend John, who John Astronomy, who who does the podcast with us, and and he li- loved it. And then you you came back a couple days later, and you're like, what did you think of the the ghost thing? And it was only then that I realized it was, it was you doing it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, it's great. And and we're gonna play it for the listeners in just a bit,
2: but. First of all, what are you doing on this song? You playing everything? Well, b- before I get to that, I will say that when I first saw you in our town, you were wearing a ghost shirt. Right, I thought, yes. Whoever that guy is, yeah. that's a bond right there. We are friends. Mm-hmm. You're a brother in the in the uh, you know clergy that we right. all make up. Um, but in this particular track, I, I do everything. Right. Uh, I'm a music producer and a songwriter and an artist myself. And uh, the other day I just got this thought, wouldn't it be amazing to hear my favorite band, Ghost, perform the Ghostbusters theme. It's Halloween time, this seems so right. And it tickled me in such a way that I dropped what I was doing for two days straight, uh, just shut down all my other projects and produced this song. And it should be noted that the original by Ray Parker Jr. allegedly took only two and a half days to make, so in the spirit of the original, I didn't take too long.
1: (laughs) Wow, well that's cool. Because I said to Emily, I said, I wonder how many months he was working on this. to get. (laughs) Because the, not only the music, but I mean, just the way you go into the the uh, On My Own, which you're right, very underrated song I used to love. I loved that that track when it was out back in the day. I mean, I was thinking it must have taken a long time, but you're saying you knocked it out pretty quick.
2: It was yeah, two days, you know, for a few hours a day. Right. To make it right, but not too right. You don't want to spend, you could spend your life perfecting something like this. I just yeah. wanted it to be what it was supposed to be and- uh, it seems to have worked.
1: <laughs> right on. Well, let's let's listen to it right now and come back and talk a little more about it. This is the Ghostbusters theme, done in the style of ghost, but not actually by ghost. No, right.
2: Okay. <laughs> Don't get confused. Ghost Here we go. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. In your neighborhood
3: Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters Here's something weird And it don't look good Who can you call?
2: control
3: if it's up to us we've got to take it home.
2: theme from ghostbusters 2 by bobby brown underrated if you ask me ghostbusters who you gonna call
3: ghostbusters anyone come to mind Ghostbusters! Let me see. Ghostbusters!
2: Oh, I know. How about... Satan! Ghostbusters! No, seriously. Get in my car. Ghostbusters! Who you gonna call? Anyways, to sum up... Satan! Boo! They're just kidding. The
1: Ghostbusters theme song as done by... The guy sitting in our our living room right now, yes. lot white, and <laughs> I hope you enjoy. <laughs> yes. How long did it take you to get the? Because the spoken version. I mean, did you go study the the uh, you know the live album when so, he's talking and stuff? And
2: you know, look, I've seen ghosts many many times. I see them every time they come to town. Um, and I do that just for fun, but when it came time to actually get in front of the mic, right. it actually, it took me the longest time to dial in my impression of his singing style. And right. I, I greatly admire him as a vocalist, yeah. but it's a unique style. And I did my best to kind of do a caricature. Right. Um, at the speaking, I thought was pretty easy because his, his distinctive delivery, which is one of my favorite things about the whole ghost experience, to me, that's the thing that ties the whole ghost experience together, is the fun of his stage banter. Yes. And how somehow the whole thing doesn't just collapse under the silliness, because I think it reminds us that this is for fun. We're having a good time. This is a cool thing. Right. And uh, he's not going to take himself too seriously, and, and we shouldn't either. Yeah. And that, to me, just makes it even more exciting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that I thought was the easiest part.
1: Yeah. That's that's awesome. And you're handling all the guitars and bass and everything. Yeah, I just cranked all that stuff out. Wow. Wow, that's that's great. And (laughs) I know you played in a band in the past. Are you currently playing in a
2: band... Uh, not in a in a performing band, but right. I'm constantly making new original music, and right. I've got it out on Spotify, and have some things going on on in the uh, YouTube space with yes. uh, a lot of a lot of activity in the last six or eight months. So it's been exciting.
1: Cool, and I want to come back later in the show and talk about all that stuff. But one while we're on the topic of ghosts, the one thing that I thought was really cool, which we're, we're recording this, uh, what's today's date? The 24th of October. I guess it was just a couple days ago, right? That Two, two days ago. Two days ago. Tell us what happened.
2: So our friends at Loudwire helped launch this uh, last Thursday. Right. And I uh, got this tremendous reaction and so many fans came out of the woodwork. It was so exciting. And on Monday, I get a, uh, an alert. To a Twitter post from Cardinal Copia himself. Wow. The clergy wishes amazing. to inform you. Um see if I can remember it verbatim. The, the Cardinal finds, oh, what does he say? Imitation. He's a, uh, he, he finds, yeah, uh, amusement and flattery in your imitation. Yeah, Emily's looking it up. She'll, and then right beneath it is my link with my name. There's right. me and Cardinal Copia. And I just had this amazing sense of unity where, you know, my favorite current artist gave me a little thumbs up in front of the world. And right. It was very validating. Yeah, no, it was awesome.
1: It was awesome. <laughs> I did well, I did shout with excitement. Yeah, that, that is, <laughs> was so cool. Did you have any clue that that was coming or was that? No, 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 not at all. Not right. at all. I
2: thought he has to have seen it by now. Right. He has to have, but it's not obligated to. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, give us his endorsement, but I guess he felt the urge.
1: And Loudwire picked it up. Of course, we both know Josh uh, Bernstein. Our Orchella, good friend, yep. yeah.
2: And Krang, too. Krang, uh, and a Revolver. Revolver. And a bunch of other
4: people, including uh,
2: some other outlets, some some smaller markets. Um,
1: oh, Emily found the,
2: the tweet. Why don't you read it?
4: It just says, we oh no. You need to do it in his accent. Can you do it in his accent? <laughs>
2: okay. The tweet from Cardinal Copia is: "We wish to inform you, Cardinal Copia finds humor and flattery in your imitation."
4: <laughs> and now, it's got the link. Yes.
2: Let's talk about the female orgasm. Orgasm. <laughs> Ooh, I hate My that, favorite
4: speech. Part of yeah, every that speech. Yeah, that speech is so no, unnecessary. You know what? But every girl <laughs> digs it, right?
1: Yeah, um, that's the speech he gives for the mon- monstrous for monstrous yeah, clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a a great song. Anyways, yeah, that that is so much fun. And if you want to hear that song, again, guys, it's up on YouTube. We're going to come back and talk to Watt in a bit about his YouTube page. But right now, let's get into a little classic Run DMC and my conversation with Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC and many other things like Fragile Mortals. And uh, this guy, like, he loves metal, so stay tuned for a lot of uh, a lot of topics in this interview including Bubbles Michael Jackson's uh, chimp that was my favorite story i <laughs> think that he said
4: honestly and i tweeted about this he is one of my favorite people probably my f- most favorite person in the entire entertainment industry that i've met i enjoy him more than anyone his stories his humanity his just he's he connects with you he's smart he's he's a beautiful soul and i adore him i adore him i love you if you're if you're listening to this d we love you so much
5: kings from queens from queens come kings we're raising hell like a class when of us you my Somebody- mighty
1: of Talking Metal, and on the very last episode, we had a rock and roll hall of famer, Ace Fraley of Kiss.
6: Oh, big shout
1: out to Ace. (laughs) Yeah, And now, one episode later, we have another rock and roll hall of famer, DMC, Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC fame. We are in the studio here, and... Sound on sound. Sound on sound in Montclair, New Jersey, and uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I I heard an amazing track. It sounds like it just picked up right after raising hell i mean even some of the lyrics the, the guitar sound this brings me right back oh, to sure. when i discovered you guys which was that album it was wow. the album that, that really all i listened to was kiss acdc and ozzy and wow. stuff and that yeah. record opened my mind to you know to other types of music wow. it was the gateway uh, drug for me that's cool man. <laughs> that, that album. a lot of a
6: lot of metalheads a lot of punks told me the same thing yeah yeah it was run dmc oh check this out man yeah. And and people was like, Oh, okay. Cause you know, the <laughs> excuse me, the beautiful thing about it, it was almost like um in the Walk This Way video, right. when Steven Tyler took the mic and knocked down a wall that was separating right. us. Yeah. Everything was separate and it was it yeah. was funny. The black guys that liked rock were in the closet with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't going to walk up, they wasn't going to go in the Bronx and Harlem and Hollis and say, you I listen to Ozzy and I listen to, you know, um, um, I listen to the Ramones and stuff right. like that. And it was almost like everything was separate and, and that Raisin Hell record was a thing that made the white oh we can do that and the black is oh we can do that and yeah. but we were already doing it. That's yeah. the funny. thing. Were you in the closet with your rock? No, no, I stuff was actually out of because you I always was, loved
1: rock. Yeah,
6: yeah, as a kid, I definitely wasn't in the closet because when I was little, seventies rock radio. Yeah. Um, what's the name? Passed away like five months ago. Dan Ingram.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Seventy seven yeah. WABC. Yeah.
6: So that was always on in my house and. You know they played Sly and Family Stone. They played James Brown. They played the Jackson Five. But they also played, you know, Jim Croce, Harry Chapin, um, Led Zeppelin, Elton John. They played all the so-called classic rock. So for me, the classic rock was something that I could relate to because a lot of the soul music, I mean, outside of um, um, of what's going on and and, um, say it loud and I'm black and like that. You know, Al Green, Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin, a lot of the soul records was about love. And yep. girls, and I was I was in the comic books. Right, right, right. So I didn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't gravitating to that. But mm-hmm. a lot of the folk songs and a lot of the um, to so-called what's called classic rock now, you know, Crosby, Stills, Young and Nash, Neil Young, they were singing a lot about politics. Yeah. So I was a good school kid. Yeah. So soul music and black music was my brothers and my mother's music. Right. Rock and folk rock was a music that I could relate to, just from the the little fact that. They talked about social issues, and it was like homework for me. It was like a history lesson. So that's why I wanted to be the king of rock instead of the king of rap yeah let the other guys be king of rap. i'll well, be the king of well, this rock.
1: song we heard you working on today and again i don't know how much i'm allowed to talk no, about you it, But your name checking it. lars from metallica yes, I and mean, your your, yeah. your
6: love of rock is coming i through. love metallica i rock like lars <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> awesome. i'm the king oh. from queens and i'm down with nas yeah. so it's that whole yeah. like yeah. the whole connection
1: and what what is this song that you're working on here is this going to be part of a the new record. album it's the yeah. new record Y'all never got the vinyl, right?
6: The so Back from the could, Dead vinyl. Well,
1: yeah, but I I I, uh, I ordered it on Amazon today. There were five copies. Oh left, well, so, I got. Yeah.
6: I'm going You can get that one, but I will uh, personally give you some. Oh, so, okay, cool. This is going on the new album that I've been working on. Okay, because that
1: vinyl EP you did, I know Jason from uh, Slaves on Dope did the song yes, with you. He was the one that um, made me do it. Come like a rhino, right? Yeah, the, the, with Chuck yeah. featuring yeah, Chuck yeah, D. Yeah, Chuck D. That's and there's a music video for that. That's yeah, fantastic. It's a, it's a yeah,
6: video out for that, and I got a lyric video out for another song that's on there called Flames, which was actually produced by John Moyer from Disturbed. Right. And um, John Moyer bass, big shout out to him, he's a genius. And um, Miles Kennedy is singing on it with oh, me. Nice. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that record is about all the police shootings that has been going on since Ferguson, all of them. Right. And the funny joke about that, it took two white dudes right. <laughs> to get the black dude to have enough courage just to talk about it. We're not... It's not about cops is wrong. It's about everybody's wrong for pulling them triggers because in all of those instances, the trigger did not have to be pulled. It wasn't like it was a bank hostage situation. It wasn't a terrorist situation. No, it wasn't a shootout. In all of those instances, the people that did die, whether they were doing something wrong yeah. You should. They shouldn't have pulled. Bullets shouldn't have left chambers. Right, and that's what this record is about. And it's also about okay, us black people. We complain and raise hell when the white cop shoots the black kid, but when the black kid shoots the black kid, we act like that's normal. That's right. wrong. Yeah, you yep. know what I'm saying. So yep. how can we make the, the the white cop shooting the black kid? How can we correct that until we correct our own mess? Right, right. you know what point. I'm saying. Yeah. So it's, it's it's not about making one issue stronger than the other in all of the instances. Even, the, you know, it's a shame that these kids don't fist fight no more. Right, right. You know I'm saying? And it's really that simple. You got to beef with me. Let's fist fight. We used to fist fight. And then at the end, if you beat me up, we shake your hand, I shake right. your hand, and then we grow up together.
1: Right. <laughs> Not just because
6: I beat you and you won, now you're going to come shoot me. me right. And if you can't shoot me, you coming and you shooting up my house, so you just killed my grandmother right. or the two-year-old baby. So we're just trying to say in all of these instances— the triggers should not be pulled. Right, you know when a trigger need to be pulled, and that's what this record is about. And right. then the other record on it um, is featuring Rome from Sublime. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that record is called High and Low, and, and that was on the EP. That yeah, that song these was on four the, songs yeah. is yeah. on the EP.
1: Yeah, um, which was vinyl like only Carolina. record day uh, last year. Yeah, Thanksgiving and, and so Black that, Friday. That yeah. was back. We're talking about the Back from the Dead EP that came yeah. out. Uh, by Daryl DMC McDaniel's in 2017, and and this isn't on Spotify. It's not on iTunes. This it's getting is coming though. Oh, is it? Okay, want okay, it now. yeah, I, I want it. Yeah, <laughs> I had a meeting
6: with Spotify. We're getting it ready to go digital. We just wanted to do it exclusively vinyl, just so that it, um, just so that it's a uh, an experience, right. Right, and the, it's, the not a, its not an experience going to, I got to download. Remember, it used to be an experience going to the record store. Right, yeah. And going in there, and the thing about a record store—when you go in a record store, you go in there for what you know. But you're, yo, what's that? You would see a cover, or you would walk in there, replaying playing something. So you would walk out of there with the song, the album that you went for, and the album that you. I had so many people tell me, "Yo, I just discovered Rage Against the Machine because the album cover with the yeah. burning monk." Yeah. Like, what's that? Or you walk in and you go in and get the Fat Boys and Run DMC, and then you hear the Beasties playing. Yeah. Or you, don't, we wanted to create an experience for these people. And just on another note, the cool thing about the artwork for Back oh, from the so Dead, say, yeah. the artwork is done by Tony Moore, who did the, the walking, original yeah,
1: Walking Dead comic, Dead, yeah. comic yeah. book artist. It's awesome. It's yeah. huge. It's yeah. crazy. So that is coming to Spotify
6: and to digital yes, streaming it's coming services everywhere. Soon. Yeah. yeah okay, in, about, cool. I, um, in about a month.
1: Yeah, or and, less. And Jason uh, on the on the Jason and Chuck on the song "Coming Like a Rhino." I mean that they. The, the blending of your voice with Chuck's and then Jason coming in doing the singing. And then yeah. is that Slaves on Dope, the, the band ba- okay. yeah, backing the back you? Yeah. They were
6: signed to Ozzy's label.
1: Briefly. Yeah.
6: Were they? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, we, just, we just hung out with Ozzy,
1: Jason. Though. We were yeah. up at Heavy Montreal. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah
6: <laughs> he's the man up there. That's yeah. Yeah. He's
1: like the big shot DJ. Yeah. He's the, rock the DJ. radio yeah. personality yeah.
6: up there. His, his life is crazy. He's the big wig in rock and metal. You know, he gets to interview everybody, but he's also a geek and a nerd. So he's like the number one guy that gets to interview all the artists, writers and directors that nobody else at the comic get gets. Yeah, I
1: love Jason. But we've, he's a good, good person. Yeah, we hung out in Montreal, we've hung out when he comes down to New York and you know, I want I read recently the mm-hmm. the 10 ways to uh well, your memoir, oh, you 10 got ways. It. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. 10 ways not to commit su- right. suicide, it's 10 right? Ways yep. not
6: to. We don't want people to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh your relationship with Run in uh-huh. there, I, I I learned a lot about that, and I I would say that that at the time that you wrote the book, it seemed like it was, at times it's a strained relationship. I think that's is that fair to call? It like is that? it
6: a strain? Well, I mean, I, you know what? I guess if you're looking from the outside into it, that's what it is. But it's not that where there's something evil or bad was done purposely to any right. of us. You know, people are like, how do you describe it? Yo, me, running, Jay, <clears throat> Jay passed away, rest in peace. Me, running, Jay were members who used to play for that Super Bowl winning dynasty team. Right. Now, that being said, throughout Journey, the only thing that, me, that had me and Run come together the way we did was because of this hip-hop thing. Yeah. If the hip-hop wasn't never there, I don't think me and Run would have been friends. That was the one thing that we really had in common. But the reason why a strain was I was thinking as everybody else around me and during the rise of this big entity, Run DMC, was really my friend. Right. I didn't think when something happens to you as a person, you ain't got to give me nothing. I don't want to drive in your Bentley. I don't want to need a house like you. But what happened to yo, man? You all right? Cause that's yeah. the type of person I am. Right. I'm. The, I'm. When you, my friend, I'm always there with you and for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? If I can't do nothing for you, I'm gonna be there with you. So for me, the relationship is strange. It's just like you know. Um, what was our rhyme? Together, forever, forever, together. Run DMC, and we're tougher than leather. Forever, forever together means, yo, you can go on and you can go on, on the world, but it's just going to be just like me and you and Jay sitting back in the rooms. Yeah. Because we never want not, nothing from each other then. Right. So why does that change now? It's just the thing that people people are naturally selfish. Right. Well, no, let me rephrase that grown-ups are naturally selfish all the little kids they want to share you want a piece you have it right but um so if you it's, it's not strength, or because it wasn't like he purposely did something you know what I'm saying for me it was a it was a learning it was a it was a, a learning curve about I can't even say loyalty because like I said we just play team. like right. <clears throat> but my best friend growing up is Douglas Hayes. He would, Run was never my best friend. We just became good friends because we had something right. in common. My best friend growing up is Douglas Hayes, who retired from working sanitation for thirty years. Throughout my rise to this whole Run DMC thing, we've hey D, what you? I moved to South Carolina. How you doing? Tell your mother hi. This and that. That's friendship, right? Like but he didn't get mad because I'm DMC. You so, know, in
1: the book, it <clears throat> seems like. In the beginning, mm-hmm. Run was loyal to you, you know. With with no, it wasn't. No? It, was it, it there it a, wasn't loyalty a loyalty there it, in the beginning? It was.
6: It was like it was more of I was. I, I needed to complete the. <laughs> I need. I was. I was needed to complete the Run DMC transaction. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it was. It's. It's like he. He. He was going to be a solo artist originally, right. but then he saw that I had a talent and he put me down, you know, right. he put me down into that and together me, him and Jay made things work. Right. So when I was working, of course, come on, I'm he right. was looking for me. Right. When the thing, when my throat stopped working. Right. That's when the phone stopped ringing.
1: Yeah, so unless he needed you, you for uh, an appearance exactly, or something, which yo. you go into in the book. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's so many things racing through my mind, but and I right. want to come back to Jay because there's a cool thing in the book that I mm-hmm. did want to mention about Jay. But um, you know, when when the Grammys wanted what was it, a lifetime induction oh, award lifetime or lifetime achievement, achievement award, award. you chose. We mentioned Jason Rockman from from Slaves on Dope. In, in, right. I mean. in... Instead of going to Hollywood to this really big deal event, right. you chose to go up to the snow in Canada and work with Jason and Slaves on Dope right. instead of go to this prestigious event. And I, I felt like that really spoke volumes about where your heart was. Because you, right. you chose to go do music it was did did you? I mean, that had to be a conscious decision, right? That, that you decided not to go to right, this, well, this it, award it, show and right. be on TV and have millions of people see you. Instead, you went and and up and to made Canada a song worked. Yeah, and yeah, had fun. And yeah, created
6: something. Yeah, you know, created stuff. I don't need awards. For right. the things people perceive as great. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm, but I'm there, not was that a statement award. by you not going there? Well, the only statement was. For me is this th- the statement is this. Oh, now you want to give me a motherfucking Aurora cuz I'm still around and I'm still alive. Why don't you right. give me that shit when Raising Hell was killing?
1: Right. Right. I understand that. Yeah.
6: Michael Jackson looked at us, we're well, going to make a record with Michael Jackson right. two time. And Michael Jackson said, "You guys should have took home all the awards. Best new group, best rock collab, right. best rock presentation, best uh, plus they didn't even, they didn't have hip, rap they didn't have hip-hop categories. Right. Because of what I did, the Grammy had to make it. Because of Randy Upsea, they had to make a category. And in the year that they made it, they gave it to Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince because he was safe. Right. But Will Smith and him because he was safe. But sure. we were way safer. Yeah. Go back and check our resume. It was just the way we looked. Right. There was a... It's no way they're giving a to, 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 there's no way they're giving a Grammy to the hip-hop guys who might not be here in five years. Right. Because... Uh, Raps of fat, that, that was the whole thing. So my statement was the Lifetime Achievement Award doesn't have to be an award. You could just mention my name. Don't make yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you wanted to give me a Grammy, give it to me then.
1: Yeah, I, I hear oh, you.
6: give it to me when we sitting there. They did not. And you know, I could understand us not winning um, the American Music Awards and the Grammy. We was up against New Edition, Whitney Houston, <laughs> Luther <laughs> Vandross, and this and that. But Michael Jackson said we still should have got one. Right. Best New Group. Yeah. Michael Jackson. When we met with him, he said, "Everywhere, uh, everywhere I go in the world, this was '88. Yeah. Everywhere I go in the world, y'all on the TV, and I hear your music. People's yeah. playing your music. White. That's what Michael Jackson said. So, my statement is not a knock against the Grammys. You know, what I'm saying I, I'm flattered that I'm I, right. I'm flattered my name is even being said there. Sure. But don't try to give me a lifetime achievement award. And another thing for my personal OCD." <laughs> Mind thinking, what are you trying to say? I'm over and done? No. Yeah. I don't want to take it because it might curse me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not finished. yet. wait till I finish yeah. before you give me a Lifetime Achievement Award. Right.
1: And I w- <laughs> I'm Michael Jackson. I want to talk about him. But real quick, Jay, yeah. you mentioned the way the, the run DMC looked, the band looked— uh, in in the book in yeah. your book again, which I actually listened to the uh, book on tape oh, version. Oh yeah, you, know, that, that you told you, me to do it. Yeah, myself. oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Me. Which it's it's nice because you get your personality coming right. through in your your words. I think it's uh, and it's you great. Feel the emotion. And you get a little uh, fragile mortal uh, song at the end, which is oh, yeah, cool yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Which is cool. But we're talking about Daryl's book, Ten Ways Not to Commit Suicide," a memoir, and in that book, you talk about. Jam Master Jay and when you guys first brought him into the fold mm-hmm. you looked at him and you saw the way he dressed and the he way he and and he really helped form the image yeah. of Run DMC with the 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 shoes unlaced all and that. stuff that was all Jay
6: oh all, all, we would have been we our careers would have ended early if we didn't have Jay yeah you know what I'm saying we would have been just one of those and, we would have yeah. just been one of those early 80 rap groups right yeah as opposed to, you know, the Run DMC official music, artistic, iconic, right. culturally relevant thing. We'd yeah. have just been, oh, that's that's the group that had their, oh, I know the Run DMC group. They had us like that and suck C's out in hard times. And, you know what I'm saying? It would have never worked today. Me and Run, before Jay was in the group. I, I wore Pumas <laughs> you know God, and, God and people's like you wore Pumas and the only connection right. that makes the Pumas as cool is people don't know this, the Puma company and Adidas company were two brothers from the same family oh were they really? I didn't yeah, know yeah. That. Wow, wow. they had an argument wow. and they had a fall so one of the Dossler uh, um, brothers left and started their own company oh wow but wow. I wore Pumas I wore Kangos um, run we was all over the place right The second show that we ever did in New York City, Jay missed the first show. Okay. Why? Because Jay went down this, um, where we shopped at when we was little in Queens is Jamaica Avenue. Yeah. So that's where all the kids went to buy sneakers, clothes. That's where the girls went to buy their stuff and their earrings. So make a long story short, our first show at the Disco Fever, Jam Master Jay, no, our first show in New York, Jam Master Jay got left because he didn't know about this thing called Soundcheck. Ah, Okay. Yo, yo, we got to be in the Bronx by 8.30. Yo, we got to go. So we yeah. left. Jay said he came home and cried. The right. second show was no way that he was going to go left. When we pulled up to his house to get him, this is a scene right out the movie. We pull up to Jay's house. He comes out his front door. He got the white. Superstar shell toes with the black stripe, no yeah. laces in them. Right. The tongues were sticking up like tombstones. Right. He had on the black Lee jeans from yeah. back in the day. He had on a black sweatshirt. He had on a black Adidas track jacket. He had on a black godfather hat. And he had on his little Dookie rope. That's before Dookie Ropes was right. made. And he had the four-speaker JVC box. And when right. he stepped out on a um stepped out onto the porch. Russell was like, yo, that is your, and before Russell could finish, that's our look. Right, right. And since that day, then he Jay had the to look, take yeah. me and Joe shopping, yeah. because we we didn't know. We got, we got the Godfather hats. Yeah, Yo, it was because of Jay. Wow, our look that's awesome. was defined because of Jay.
1: And what happened with Michael Jackson? You guys, you mentioned that he wanted to work with you guys twice, right? Yes, he came no. And he approached you guys, and was there a... I remember once hearing, was there a falling out over Bubbles or something no, no, like no, that? No, 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 it wasn't <laughs> falling out.
6: It was, just, it was just a Bubbles moment. Yeah. Um, we get a call. We're here in L.A., and we get a call. Yo, Michael Jackson, yo, Mike knows you're in town. You're his studio now is on um, it's on Santa Monica, I think, Paramount okay. Studios is called now. All right. But that used to be Michael Jackson's studio. So make a long story show, we get a call. Michael Jackson wants to meet with y'all, wants to make a record with y'all. Right. So yeah, I got to be at his studio at 2 p.m. So we get to the studio at 2 p.m., mm. Me run J and DJ Hurricane from the BC boy, so we sitting there waiting in three, four. He don't he don't show up till like six. Yeah, you know he was artistically, creatively right. late or whatever they say, fashionably late or right. how they say. So Michael comes in, and um, he's with two other people. He's with a cook because he wanted to cook dinner and have a discussion with us, right. and with an assistant. And he got bubbles with him. Right. And he comes in the side door of the studio bubbles and he got the, the mask is. thing and he's yeah. carrying bubbles. So it's funny, when he walked in, none of us, I could only imagine what Jay was thinking, what right. Kane was thinking, whatever. So when he walked in, if you, if it's a movie and you could hear what I'm thinking, right. I go, Oh shit, this is Michael Jackson. Right. And he got a monkey. <laughs> but in, so, you know, Mike comes in and Mike was really cool. He was like, Hey guys, you guys are wonderful, this and that. And he was brilliant. He said, yeah. Um, I I wanna make a record. Um, I like the way y'all um Went back and forth with Steve. You know how we went over right. Steve's vocals and stuff like that? He said, I want to do something, way. but I don't want to do nothing like Walk This Way. He said, I want to make a song that's like your song, Peter Piper. Right. You know how... I was like, imagine Run DMC and Michael Jackson over a Peter Piper type song. Right. Wow. So he says, I want to make a song like that. And then, true story, he starts doing a beatbox. Really? And it sounded just like music. There was no electronics on. Michael Jackson started doing a beatbox that would put Dougie fresh to shame. Wow. So he's talking to us, going over his ideas, and he was brilliant, like amazing. Run going, Rhyme here, D, you rhyme there, I'm going to come in, I'm going to say my verse, I'm going to sing. When I, then he just stops. Because me and Run ain't have hours yet. He looks at Jay and goes, "Oh, and he's uh, Mary or whatever name. Is. Mary, isn't this beautiful?" So he goes over to Jay's. D- Jay had the dookie rope with the gold Adidas on the right. bottom of it, stuff. So he's, Mary, isn't this beautiful? So he goes, "Can I try it on?" So Jay's like, "Cool." So Jay puts the chain on Michael's neck. And true story, Michael was like, "Yo, how do I look?" Right. He hits the b-boy stance. You oh, know, nice. we play. Oh, yeah. Michael, this and that. So Mike's getting all souped up, whatever. So when Mike takes the chain off. To hand Jay back to hand Jay back to Chain, the assistant is holding Bubbles. Right. So when Mike hands Jay the chain, Bubbles didn't viol- vi- violently jump at Jay. Bubbles went to. Jay, like Jay picked me up like right. a little kid. But right. when Bubbles did that, Jay was like, oh shit, like, what the fuck? Get that fucking monkey away from you. Like, he, right. Jay wasn't thinking. Jay was right. just startled like this. So <laughs> Bubbles jumps up in the air and immediately, I tell you, what, everything goes in slow motion. Bubbles flies up into air. Jay's like, what the fuck? Get the monkey away right. from me. And then you just hear Michael go, Bubbles, <laughs> and then Mike turns, and he catches bubbles out the air. Boom! Right, and right. he catches bubble. So now we're like this, right? And it's a true story. Michael turns, and he gives us an evil look like this. Right. So my head said, oh, shit, man! I ain't making no record now." <laughs> so, right. Right. so Mike just gives us the bubbles. Are you all right? Like, like this? Like, right. I don't mess with my monkey right right and jay was like, oh yo sorry my bad yo i don't know you know what i'm saying so then it calmed down but then it was awkward it was awkward for the rest of the meeting so right. we sitting there mike is like yo let's eat yeah so we sitting there and it's it's kind of awkward now because mike already gave his spiel on this whatever you want to do i remember we had swordfish asparagus broccoli and brown rice right so we're sitting there eating and Mike is up on the stage sitting in the lotus position like this. And, you know, we're right. eating, so it's kind of quiet. Nobody's saying that. So Jay goes, yo, I'm going to say something. He's like, don't say don't say." Sit, don't sit. Jay's like, no, fuck that shit. I'm going to say something. We got to break the ice or whatever, whatever. Right. So I just remember Jay looking at um, Michael and just, he didn't know what to say. He said, yo, Michael, food's really good, isn't it? And I remember Michael Jackson, this is, I did an interview in, um, I did it, I think it was in, in Spin magazine or whatever, right. they asked me, "What was Michael Jackson?" I was like, "He was like Bambi." Right. The car, he was like a car he was like man. So Jay goes, oh, "Michael, the food is really good." And I just remember Michael with a, he was like a kid with a mouth full of food, looking like a right. chipmunk, with, looking like a squirrel with nuts in his ear. And Michael just, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very. It it it, it got awkward, but it, it was it was a very weird experience for Michael Jackson. And the long story short, though, the commercial was. We definitely was going to make a record, but it's a joke, but it's kind of true. Right, Run DMC was too busy to make a record with Michael Jackson. Really? Man. Wow. Because we went to Europe. We went to Japan. We went to Russia. This and that. So every time we came back off the road, Michael was, remember, he was back and forth to Europe himself. Right. So it was like, Michael, we're in US. No, Michael's out of town. Michael, yo, I'm here in US. And Run DMC's out of town, so we never got to make the wow. record with him. okay. So I'm, I'm just thinking of what could have been. Yeah over wow. that but that, that's the Bubbles thing it was like when Bubbles went at Jay Jay was like what the fuck is that monkey right. you no know, cause Jay was fly wasn't yeah. he was scared he was like I don't want no monkey I'm fly right Let's right, oh, right. see, I got my yeah. new Adidas suit on. <laughs> okay.
1: Carrying old monkey, and, right. and that was it. Hey, I wanted to mention a song that I think came out late last year, Hate Me, that you did with Rob Dukes. It's on that's the Rob Dukes. That's such a good song, man. Dukes EP, which is up on Spotify and Amazon and
6: That's a iTunes. badass song. Yeah, you did man. a great job on that. And I think that's the best song that I've made in that realm. Really? Because cool. lyrically, vocally, because you heard my vo- vocal on it, right? Yeah, yeah, you of hate course. my guts. But th- th- that sounds sonically uh, is what I want to achieve when I do right. that thing with them. Right. Cool. And mm-hmm. fragile mortals uh, fell apart. Yeah, kind
1: of. I mean, it was. I felt like the the release of it was a little awkward. It like, all like was it, wrong. The, the it was
6: all wrong. It was all wrong. Um, it, which is kind of all of our faults. I think that we should have just made. We should've even just did two records and just started doing it on everybody's sets and then released like that. Or we should've did an EP. Right. We made records and just got so happy out of it. We made a bunch of records and we try to put all the records out at the same time. Right. All of a sudden, we're coming up. into this. You know, it's it's different now. We're coming into the we're coming into the um we're coming into the stream or the ocean of of music with an announcement that uh, look, it's a billion things going on in music now. Right. We should have been more strategic. We should have been more smarter. But I think we we put we were too excited, right? And Fragile Mortals, of course,
1: was was DMC along with the band Generation Kill and Rob and, Dukes
6: as uh, the front man. Yeah, and Rob Dukes from. Then I found X's. out. Then I found out that bands are really complicated. Yeah, because. <laughs> And they Not had their own problems. Yeah, and then Generation split Kill is still together, but they got a, yeah. some new people. Yeah, Rob is doing yeah. his thing, and Rob Machete's doing his thing. It's right. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and every you know, everybody's taking sides. I don't. One thing I said to those guys: I ain't taking no sides. If right. y'all, I can work with you, and I can work. So you're with still them. cool with everyone. Yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. cool with everybody across the board. It's You cool. know, it's up to the guys that have a problem to sit down and hash the problem out. Because even Rob Dukes, he has his problem out with um um Gary Holt. Yeah, yeah, Exodus. Yeah, he so. said, yeah, they, call, they 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 called him to do um Exodus. Did like a, a anniversary thing, just brought all of right, us. Whoever right. played with us and some, we want you guys to come back. And Duke said he went, you know what I'm saying? They sat down and they talked about it. And, you know, Duke said he told them, oh, did you, you know, fuck it. And they said, yeah, we kind of was fucking with you. Right. But that's what you get. So right. at least they admitted it and now everything is good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was happy for that's that. That's not the
6: problem. Like, you know, going back to Run, it's not like a strange relationship. It's like not Run did anything to me and this and that, boom, bang. It's more about what he didn't do. Yeah. You know and I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Like he ain't have to, and hold up. Then again, like I said in the book, he don't have to do nothing because I think there's a quote in there. A lot of, a lot of, especially men, don't know a lot, a lot of people don't know how to just, you know, yo, yo, yo you all right? Right. Cause, but, you know, but a lot of that comes from, and I don't want to say it because they might want something from me. Right. I got you. Which is the, the key to it. So, you yeah. know, um, I was. Generation Kill, um, the the Fragile Mortals thing. I think the the way we should have did it was we should have made a couple of records and worked those. You know, it takes almost yeah. six to eight months for people to even start paying attention or something. Right, right. But it's, it was fun. My right, and it was, is a great
1: listen. The Dark Project by Fragile Mortals, which again is is Daryl DMC McDaniel's along with Rob Dukes, formerly of Exodus and of Generation Kill. Great listen. And uh I And do I listen I yeah. listened
6: to I listen back to it now and that's why I said um Hate Me The mix Off of Rob and, Dukes. If we could have yeah. did that with those right, and put that that did it's perfect. That's right. the perfect thing, you know what I'm saying? Cool.
1: Well we'll we'll play the song Hate Me for big the listeners in a in a little bit. Definitely a big shout out to Rob Dukes, what's uh, happening with the comic book? I know uh-huh. uh, my brother saw you at Comic Con. Yes, it seems started, like you're yeah. having success with call them we, a graphic novel. Yeah, uh, graphic Emily novel and I were right talking now. about. We just we like to just call them comic. No, it's books. a comic <laughs> book. It's a comic <laughs> yeah. book. But
6: I do a graphic novel comic book instead right. of a monthly. Right. Okay. Which just means it's thicker, yet. right? It's, it's just, four it, books yeah. in one. Okay. Okay. As opposed to doing a monthly, which we probably could do right now, but people kind of dig the the, um, the graphic novel thing that we've been putting out right um it's doing good right now we're going in our we're going in our fourth issue but this now it's it's where we have to build we have to we planted the seed now the tree and the roots and the foundation is time to go we we at that point where now in order to be talked about a hundred years from now right we got to start to delivering emotions adventures we got to start connecting our characters with the reader right now we got great adventures everybody said the book is very very well done right we got that all down packed. we got cool heroes and stuff like that but now it's time for us to develop our luke darth vader batman joker uh superman lex Luger, right and then more importantly have people connect with the dmc the character so that being said we, we're putting um all my mental health issues in there he's gonna oh, be a superhero yeah. that's right. in therapy yeah because imagine he's a teacher and he got to save the world imagine what's going on inside his superhero brain right now so yeah. he's going to therapy we're putting all the adoption because now the dmc is are yo man where you get your powers from right who's your mother and father and they say, He's never thought about those things, so yeah. now it's starting to wear now. So now we're getting ready to get real personal, but in a, a universal, relatable way.
1: And when you say readers. "we," who who works on the comic oh, with um, you?
6: Um, it's me and Riggs Morales. Riggs Morales, big shout out to Riggs. He was Eminem's A&R over at Shady Records. Oh, okay, for cool. the rise of that big empire. Yeah. Eminem's wow. a huge, huge comic book yeah. fan. Like, a oh, is he? Oh, cool. Huge, huge. His whole walls, his his bathrooms, all Spiderman. Like, wow. Eminem's a geek and a nerd. Yeah. That's why he's so artistically good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Riggs Morales, he's the guy that um, encouraged me to do the comic book. I didn't want to do it at first. And he said, D, you can do with the book everything you've been doing with your music for the last 35 years. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Inspire, motivate, educate, and entertain. And I never thought about it. And comic books is my first love. Yeah. Comic books allowed me to have the confidence and courage to get on stage and um, become the mighty king of rock. Nice. We're here in
1: the studio in Montclair, New Jersey.
6: Sound, sound on Sound. Sound right. on Sound. Yeah, great studio. And,
1: yeah, really impressive. Yeah. And uh, you are working on a new album. Will yeah. there be any guest stars on this record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, yeah.
6: One that I, I, it's the one that brought me to work for, you know, say, hey, Rob, let's do a record together. Yeah. It's DMC. Have I go do? I can run DMC into the ground yeah. But D- Daryl makes comics is the name right. of my thing. DMC, I'm the king of rock. Devastated my controller, doing mine's cool D's for doing it all at the time. M's for the rhymes that are all mine. C's for still cool ass can be. And I wear contacts. <laughs> what does contacts start with? C. Right. So it's all irrelevant. But the new album is called Dynamic Musical Collaborations. Oh, cool. It works. So, I'm like, yo, let's do your show. I was like, you sure it's not overkill? He said, no, it's the coolest thing ever. Dynamic musical collaborations. So far, I've got Sammy Hager. Wow. Joan Jett. Tim Armstrong from Rancid. Travis Barker. Mick Marshall, Motley Crue. Sebastian Bach. Wow. Um, I'm waiting to get Tom Hamilton on there playing some bass. Uh, Rome from Sublime. Chuck D. Um, who else is on a uh, on on a record? Um, Rome from Sublime, Chuck D, um, Miles Kennedy, John Moyer from Disturbed, um, and I got a couple of more surprises that I don't want to wow. announce yet. Yeah, but it's 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 the last fifty years of rock, alternative, and punk coming to rock with me.
1: Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. And when do you think we would see this release? Uh, like, Top of the yeah, year. That, that soon? Okay. Yeah, to
6: probably before the second quarter, we're okay. looking at it. But that all depends on, because when I got to work with Tim Armstrong from Rancid, he was like, yo, D, don't just make this album and put it out so people can say, yo, remember a couple of years ago, DMC did an album with all these magnificent, iconic superstar. Joan Jett, come on, yeah. man. He said, did you ever see the last waltz? I was like, I love the last waltz. The band. He said, that's what we're going to do with this album. We're going to finish the album, then we're going to do a concert film to go with it. Wow. So okay. it's an experience. He said, yours is a reverse last waltz. It's not your ending. It's your new beginning. Right. Cool. You know, so I'm looking forward to do that. So would just be like idea. a
1: live a live concert
6: yeah we like gonna mixed, and tim yeah. armstrong's gonna
1: direct it oh wow he okay. directed he's from rancid yeah yeah. he
6: did all the rancid videos and all the transplants videos he's doing oh, cool. big things in hollywood right now wow so he's gonna direct it and then um you know we're gonna find a, a partner to come and help us do it because wow. it's better that tim is like that then it's remembered yeah it's special people will talk about it for the next 500 years you it know sounds like saying? a that's great idea just putting it right yeah yeah for real yeah i was like whoa that's brilliant Cool. Well, we wish you the best of
1: luck with it. And the, the track that was playing here in the studio that you were you were working on when we came in just sounds great. I, it, Thank you. Again, it sounds like it's the sequel to the song, Raising yeah, Out. Know? Yeah,
6: exactly. Yep, yeah, exactly. So. That's what my DJ, um, DJ Charlie Chen was Jay's apprentice. Um, Charlie Chen, he's a oh, DJ cool. on St. Louis Radio Hip Hop Station. And how we met was um, he won the World DJ Contest and um, the pri- he won a, a DJ Battle Contest. And the prize was to open up for Run DMC when we came oh, to St. Wow. Louis. So wow. we came in a show. And Jay, being the type of guy that he was, he was impressed with what Charlie did. And he, t- he went to Charlie and said, yo, here's the deal. Yeah. If you can make it to all our shows, we'll let you open up every night. Yeah. So Charlie got his boys in a little van, and they followed us to over shows. And then him and Jay just got together, showed each other tricks and stuff like that. So when Jay passed away, um, what I do now is um, when, I t- when I do my shows – it's all live bands. Uh, Veronica Bellino is my drummer right now, and um, it's live drums, live guitar, live bass, and a DJ. So I do all of Run DMC stuff live. Nice. Imagine Rockbox live. Yeah. Imagine um, sucker MCs sees live with a guitar riff, oh, wow. and then we do so. We get me and a band on the Back from the Dead EP. The title song Back from the Dead is just me and my band right doing a new song. So cool. It's and fun I, right are now. you
1: doing? Are you?
6: touring now like what's
1: going on no, not, gonna, not yet but me but and the band gotta wait gotta do, for the album
6: me and my no me and the band's getting ready to put out an ep okay so that's, that's separate from, from what you're band, working right, on today the, wow you always have so much stuff going from on the, right. the dynamic musical because the dynamic musical colla- collaboration thing is like a whole project it's the album and the concert film going with it so we're trying to figure out Tim Armstrong said we're gonna get a venue and um we're just gonna have all the artists come through you know like 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 right. the, the last waltz did yeah Stuff. I don't think it's all going to happen in one day. But we're saying it might be better to happen one day and and film it with an audience and making it an, an event. Right. And then you know we film everything because what it'll be is um um the I'll do we'll do a Run DMC song. Me and Joan Jett will do a Run DMC song. Probably do one of her songs and then we'll do the song that we got together. She'll leave. Right. Oh, cool. And then Tim will come up like that. But then. That's a lot. Three, six, nine, twelve, then we just yeah. have to edit it and with it the best performances.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great idea. Yeah. And it's cool. fun. It's great. And do you imagine like a, a full on like tour where you're you're going out and, and doing just oh, dozens yeah, yeah, yeah. And dozens of shows, yeah, hitting yeah. city after city? Yeah, yeah. And would it be a package deal? Or would it be like, like would you have somebody tour with you? Like, I, I, I
6: think it'll be. It, I think it's no way I'm gonna get all of these guests to tour at once. I right. think it'll be a thing where we'll find. Okay, where you gonna be at, Joan? I'm gonna come out with you. Right. Or oh, I'm here. Can you come? Okay, Joan can't come today, but Tim can come. Like it's gonna be more right. of that. Okay, because cool. the, the the whole experience. That that's why Tim said you gotta do the film because yeah. that's gonna be the tour. Right. Right, you know, take it to Netflix or take it to Showtime. That's yeah. going to be the tour. Yeah. But then, out of that, for the rest of our lives, we can show up and do what we, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's a that, great idea. It gives it life. Yeah, it gives yeah. it life.
1: Awesome, cool. Well, yeah, best Tim of luck. Is brilliant with that. for that. And Daryl, in the book that I that I said, I, I actually listened to the the version that you narrated, which is mm-hmm. a great listen. It's on Audible, guys. If you do Audible, you can you can get it. Again, it's called 10 Ways to Not Commit Suicide: A Memoir" by Daryl McDaniel's, and a big part of that book uh, deals with the mental health issues that you've had through the years. And I give you credit for coming out and talking about it because for a long time, mm-hmm. people wouldn't talk about their 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 problems, be it right. depression, by having bipolarism or suicidal thoughts. Right. You know, and 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 people were ashamed of that. And and I give you credit for coming out and talking about that. And uh, I just wanted to, A, ask how you're doing because I think Mm -hmm. it's still something you probably have to deal with on a a daily basis, I'd imagine. And uh, could you talk a little bit about the work you've done with other people who have mental health issues?
6: Well, it's funny that you asked. The whole whole book came about because for the last 10 years, (laughs) this is funny, Run has been on TV for the last 10 years with Run's House. His right. TV shows, you know, Run's Family and this right. and that. So every year people say, oh, we know DMC. He's not on this season. Right? I know you're going to be on. He's not on next season. So everybody's sitting there. So now when people run into me, the reason why I did the book was because of the yo, why you ain't on Run's House? Right. <laughs> What's the beef? What's the problem? I'm, no, no, there's no problem. And this is true. I would go, yo, I just got out of rehab." Yeah. So now, the run DMC stuff, leaf, people would do a double take. Well, yo, what's that about? Well, I was drinking a case of Old English today. Um, yeah. Jack Daniels and Jim Bean was my best friend. I was crazy out of haul but I went to rehab, this and that. And I just start telling them about what I did. I went to rehab, and rehab is where I discovered therapy. True story. Yo, DMC, could you do me a favor? Could you come talk to my father? Because he. Yo, DMC, could you come talk to my brother? Because he. I started noticing that nine out of the 10 people I would run into could relate to what I was speaking on. Sure. And it wasn't a courage thing for me. It's a more of a thing of keeping it real because um even my therapist said, yo, D, your whole career, you've been do- doing two things. You've been putting that I am in front of you I am the king of rock. I am DMC in a place to be. I'm the son of Beifort. I'm the for I was always the I am. But she said you also would. T- I would al- also relate to y'all when I rapped. it said I love eating chicken and collard green Son of by everything was true about me. I started realizing the same way you know go to school, be cool, St. John's University. The same way that I would inspire, motivate, and, and touch people. Um, lives by saying all the good stuff that I was doing. I made kids want to go to school. I made people that didn't even want to wear glasses want to wear glasses. Now right. all the four eyes and the spectacles of binocular kids are the coolest kids on the bus because right. they wear glasses like DMC. I realized by me being honest about when things is going bad had a much more powerful effect than me telling you I'm good and I'm great and stuff like right. that. So it's just a thing of every time like I would go somewhere... Yo, DMC, man, I saw your adoption journey thing. How you doing? Yep. What's that about? And I would explain, the, the thing that happened to me was this, and it's something that everybody got a key into. And since I put the book out, I find myself at all these um, mental health conferences and yeah. psychiatric conferences because they said, D, the way you present it is a way that the textbooks and all the therapy and the drugs could never present it. And the thing that I found out for anybody out there going through, I don't care whatever it is. I don't care whatever it is. If And it rhymes, too, because I'm one of the greatest rappers ever. <laughs> if you remove guilt and shame, you remove the pain. Right. And if to people going through stuff, if you don't admit how you feel, whether good or bad, you never heal. If right. you don't admit how you feel, you never heal. Right. So, And what I mean by that is we celebrate. I feel like a million bucks. We love that guy. I can take on the world. We, but the minute the person says, Man, I'm not feeling like myself, get away from me, weirdo cycle. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a person say, saying that they don't feel like living no more. It's nothing wrong with that, because that's how they feel. Yeah. What's been wrong since this world's been in existence is how we've been reacting to that person. Yeah. I can't, and it's feelings. It's a feeling, and once I started making, people say, "Yo, D man, you you did for me with therapy could never do in ten years for me. I'm going through terror." But I just said, if you don't admit how you feel, you never heal. Yeah. So we're afraid to tell the truth for how we really feel because of the reaction we get from the so-called okay world. Right. Think about that. And if you were, you have nothing to be ashamed about feeling like you want to kill yourself. You have nothing to be ashamed about having anxiety. You have nothing to be ashamed about having depression. And what I mean by that is when you tell me, Mark, I feel cold. Okay, I'm gonna turn the heater for you and give you right. a jacket. Yeah, I can't tell you don't feel cold. Yeah, I can't tell you right, right. now. Don't feel hungry. You can't have the marvelous sandwiches that you gave me. It's <laughs> yeah. a feeling. Mental right. health, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to feel like killing yourself because you feel that way. Once you admit it, you can discover who, what, or why you're feeling that way. Yeah. So I had to, I said, I got to, when people ask me, I got to tell them the truth. Even when I said, um, um, yeah, I found out that I was adopted at age 35. That's the killer. What? Oh, my God. How did that make you feel? I said, That was a shock for me. Right. Imagine... My brother Alfred, who's my mother and father's biological son, right. they said, "D, don't you know if you never would have asked them, they wouldn't." My mother and father was gonna take that to the grave with him. Right. But when I got depressed and I was gonna kill myself, is the reason why I write a book. Just in case I die tomorrow, I want to write a book and I want people to know about Daryl, not the King of Rock DMC. Right. So I call my moms up. Hey, mom, um, I'm writing a book, and just to make it more interesting for the reader, I want to know how much I weigh, Please what be. time yeah. I was born, you in go the into hospital. The same book. Yep. Hung up the phone, and then an hour later they call back. We have something. Else to tell you, son. Now I'm already an alcoholic, suicidal, metaphysical wreck. Right. But I want to write this book so people can remember Daryl, who's just a normal kid. I had to get that story out of me. They called me back and say, "Um, we have something else to tell you, son." And I go, "What? I thought it was gonna trivial or nostalgic. You was a month old when we brought you home, and you're adopted, but we love you. bye. imagine that how I made me feel. So it made me. It was just traumatic. So I was feeling what the majority of us all feel but we don't talk about it. Right. So me being a rapper if I'm going to tell you I like chicken and collard greens I'm going to tell you oh, I was in rehab yeah. and this is what I felt and I found out by me talking about what I've been through is one of the things I don't have to answer but it's an assistance to make these people feel better. I got a rhyme that goes um, 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 I'm sick and tired of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris and Kurt Chester, Chris Cornell, and Kirk yeah. Cobain. Death is appealing to me. With death, I flirt because I tell you how I feel and you think I'm a jerk. I'm not bugging, I'm struggling. Right. All this guzzling, all this drinking is puzzling. So, you know what I did? I stopped hanging with Jack and Jim, and every day I wake up to fight a battle that I know we all can win. Awesome. If anything that I represent, I represent. That you can beat and defeat whatever it is that you're you're, you're battling. I'm yeah. representing that. I don't want another Chester. I don't want another Chris Cornell. I was there. Yeah. And the thing that really helped me was therapy, man. Yeah. Therapy. The, <laughs> they made me stand up and say this at the uh, mental health conference I was attending. Say that again. It's the coolest slogan ever. Therapy is gangster. It's the most powerful thing that a man. Because we fronting us, man. Right. We fronting. And now there's this whole issue with the black men. we so macho and so hip-hop. The reason why there's so much negativity, violence and disrespect and hooliganry and foolery Within our young people, they're going through some, and none of the the, the um, none of the um programs and stuff is addressing the issue. When me and Sheila Jaffe, who started the Felix organization with me, you talk about it in the and book. um yeah, um it's an organization we started to help um give resources and opportunities to foster kids. When we visit a group home, we make sure if it's a hundred kids, me and Sheila are gonna see all hundred before we leave, cause we make sure we do this for them. We look them in the eye and say, "How do you feel?" And the majority will go. I'm all right. And they try to not look at us. I do this. No, no. Right. How do you really feel? Yeah. And when I give them that, Eye contact. they start crying. Yo, you're the only people that ever asked me that. We don't care. We, the first thing, what do you do? Right. I heard somebody else say that. And I think it was Lady Gaga or something. You know, um, what do you do? What do you work? How much money you got? This and that. Right. We ask them, but yo, how do you feel today? Right. So that's the, the the book came about because of a need that needs to be... um addressed and talked about and i guess i was just the subject for it the same way up me running Jay were the subjects to elevate hip-hop to where it was
1: yeah and it's a great book again 10 ways not to commit suicide suicide suicide. and
6: the other thing real quick is um, i'm hoping to take that book and develop it into a broadway play oh cool because i got a lot of people say yo d that would be so cool right now you know what i'm saying yeah I There'll mean, it's it's quite
1: end. a story too. The way you go into, you know, even how you had to deal with knowing now you had two families, you know, yeah, and, and, and your this. new mother, or you know, who, and you're, and yeah, and uh, you, you got yeah. to get the book. Where, the you book know, is think great. About, yeah,
6: um, I thought that I needed old English, right, to get me through this business of, to, to, you know, the, the music business is a is. A, what was the quote by the famous guy that wrote the book? It's a backstabbing, lying, cheating, two-faced business, and that's just the good part of it. Right. There's a, there's a book <laughs> and a quote that says that. Yeah. So me getting through that, I thought, it, thought it, I thought that I needed something exterior to get me th- to be able to deal with run, to be able to deal with the business and the distress and all of that. But my story, the reason why I wrote the book was, I want everybody, don't look at me like the mighty, invincible king of rock. Right. My story is the teacher. My story is the the, the businessman. My story is these cab drivers killing themselves in New York City. You know what right. I'm saying? I, yeah. We all are on the same level of that. And if I could put this book out and help somebody see, there's always lights around people. But you're so in the darkness that you don't see him. If my book could be the one light people pay attention to, then that's why I became the King of Rock. The King of Rock thing was just a setup for what I was really put here to do.
1: Cool. Cool. And again, it's a great book. So we will have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. And, and Daryl, it's uh, always a pleasure. I, You know, you came to our house back in 2015. Yes, I'm coming <laughs> over next time. Okay, next time, we'll yeah. get sandwiches next time. And then I had the opportunity to... Uh, Do some TV work with you when you were on that metal show? Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. You were on Marky Ramone, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm doing
6: something with him. I'm trying to get him on it. Yeah, it's about me. He's going to be. And I just forgot. um, Me, Smash Mouth, and Fishbone. Oh, wow. That's a crazy combo. Yeah. That's, yeah. They, they, we, we recorded. We, they're putting it together right now. Oh, wow.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's going to cool. be crazy. So cool. it's going to be
6: fun. It's going to be fun. Cool.
1: Fishbone and Living Color are playing, I think, in two weeks in Brooklyn. Yeah, they're so, yeah. I might show up and yeah. jump on stage. Yeah. 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 Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Cool. That would be special. Cool, man. Well, it's always great catching up with you, and we appreciate your time. And Thank you are for coming really out to looking, see me. Yeah, we're really looking forward to the next release that you're currently working on and to take us out we're going to hear the song hate me this is off the dukes ep featuring rob dukes and daryl mcdaniels aka dmc thanks thank you i'll be back Thanks to DMC, aka Daryl McDaniels, for joining us and inviting us into the studio where he was working on his new record. It sounded fantastic, the track that Emily and I heard. That song right there, coming out of the interview, is Hate Me. That's Rob Dukes, the former singer of Exodus, and Daryl McDaniels on that song. That's on Spotify, it's on the Dukes EP. And it's great stuff. And Rob and Daryl did a whole album together, Fragile Mortals, which we spoke about in the in the interview there. But uh, definitely check out Rob's uh, solo EP. It's great stuff. And we are hanging here in Maplewood with Watt White. Now Watt, this this is where things get a little weird. So <laughs> so I, I went back. Cause I, when I met you, like I've met you a couple of times now through Josh and right, saw right. you at, at the, the kids, our kids went to camp together. So right. I, but I, I, when you, when we were at the Ace Freely listening party last week, mm-hmm. you told me, oh, I played in a band called the Smash Up. Correct. And I was a big fan <laughs> of this EP. Yes. And I, I especially, I loved the, the opening cut, uh, Icarus Flies. I was listening Thank to you. it today. Love that song. And this isn't on Spotify, is it? No, it's not. Yeah, so I guess it's rare. Um, But I started like thinking, well, did we interview you guys? And I know I said, I thought we interviewed you, but that I believe was wrong. We never interviewed you. But I went back and it's still posted. We're on episode 780 right now, but episode 105, (laughs) which took place in October of 2000. Six. Okay. Um I kids. we talk extensively about the smash up. Yeah. And how much we love the smash up and how Emily's band yeah. and the smash up played a gig together. We did? Yeah. We did. The well, Minx was her band and you guys played like- CB's together.
4: We played CBs and I have like pictures that I pulled out today. I was like, this had to have been the gig. We
2: did at regular, yes! proper CBs. Yeah.
4: Proper CBGBs. No way. <laughs> yes. That's insane. I
2: Surprise! love it.
0: Surprise.
2: Wow.
4: It's such a small world. We
2: played there a handful of times yeah. as the smash up. I, I know that. Yeah. And That's so cool. And then,
1: and then, in this episode, we talk about. Well, it was so cool that her band played with you guys at CB's, and then we talk about seeing you on Gigantor. Yeah, that was, was amazing. Gigantor 2, Megadeth, yeah. and and I talk about how I bought this record, at, uh, the EP, the smash-up EP at CB's, probably off you for $5. It's very possible. <laughs> so so it, it, it's kind of just wild how uh, here, yeah, wow. so many years later. That's that, why you uh, burn
2: no bridges in rock and roll.
1: Right, right, right. So... <laughs> What happened with the smash up? Because like I said, I followed you guys in the beginning. Yeah. We saw you on Gigantor 2. And and I have to admit that somewhere after that I kind of lost track of what happened with the band. Yeah, you know, we
2: had our run for about six years. We did the Gigantor two with Megadeth and the Warp Tour and the Taste of Chaos tour with Deftones. And it was right. always a really big, you know, couple of years. But you know, it's it's hard being out there, being on the road. It's it's a slog, it's it's difficult. Um, I think we were in California, and I went to go to the ATM to get some money to buy coffee at Starbucks, and I didn't have any money left. Right, and I thought maybe it's time to go back to New York and dig in and work on other stuff. Yeah, no, I mean it was hard because I love those guys, and you know we're all still friends. Yeah, um, and they soldiered on for for another record with with a different lineup and different music and singer and right. stuff. Um, but you know, terrific guys, a great experience. I, I gained so much from it, and um, yeah. you know they're still brothers to this day.
1: Cool. Well, you guys were great. I mean, I, I, I again haven't listened to this in at least i mean probably a decade yeah. to be honest and i put it on today and listened to it all the way through i mean it's it's blows my mind you guys didn't go bigger than you were wow. i know you you succeeded to a certain extent yeah. but you know you never quite made it to yeah, the, the no, top and, I, and you had all the goods. And, and from what I was saying in episode 105 or whatever it was, the, the live show you guys put on was was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah.
2: Well, that means a lot. You know, I still have vivid memories of that cool. time and, and I'm so glad we got a chance to do it. And were you handpicked by Dave Mustaine
1: to go on Gigantor? Because wasn't he involved? Like, I, I remember him telling us that he really picked all those bands.
2: I'll tell you the quick story, and this is the lesson about how timing is everything. We were on a label run by Kevin Lyman from the, who created the Warp Tour, and my guitarist, Vin Alferi, who was really the guy that made this band happen, he was so determined, and one day he said, look, let's go by the label just to say hi, just to say show face. I said, fine. We went by, and our, our manager, the, the guy at the label was on the phone. He motioned, come in, sit down, you know, without speaking. And he said a few things on the phone and hung up and said, okay, you're going on tour with Megadeth. Wow. Because we were in the room at the moment. He said, he thought we'd be a good fit. And we spent two months with those guys. And it was right. a great experience with Overkill and Lamb of God and right. so yeah. many other bands. And yeah. what what a two months that was.
1: Wow. Cool. Cool. And Fast forward to what you're up to now. You, of course, have this great cover of the Ghostbusters theme song done in the style of Ghost, but I maybe they're not a super recent, but you've put out some really funny stuff on YouTube. And I, I got to tell you, I love the take off your shirt oh, video you. <laughs> because I relate to it because I, I actually... I should go up in my. You should go upstairs and pull out my yeah. Queensrÿch Rage for Order <laughs> shirt, which I bought when I was like 15 years old. Yeah, when Rage for Order was actually out, <laughs> and and I still wear it. And you know, and, it, and you it, have the right to. You yeah, should wear it. Yeah, and and luckily, thank goodness, I, I, I still fit into it. But um, the uh there's, it, you know, it would just piss me off when I, you know, I see like I'm an old school Motley Crue fan. I'd see these people wearing the Shout at the Devil t-shirt of motley crew and they they don't even know
2: what that is they don't you know i they mean sure don't um, and it carries on to this day with the, rihanna with her metal shirts and, yeah and the and the, yeah. the beyonce and the metal you know there's a whole you know the, the metal t-shirt is a very sacred thing and you have yeah. to kind of earn it yeah i think that's the way i still feel that way
1: yeah <laughs> and it, it's a really funny watch again it's up on your youtube channel Take off your shirt. It's take, take musical off. comedy, I guess I'd call it, right? Yeah,
2: take off your T-shirt if you can't name a song by the band that's yes. on it.
1: Right, yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> cool. And what is your YouTube page? Where can people subscribe to your YouTube?
2: It's YouTube, it's Watt White, my name, Watt Wat White. White at YouTube.
1: Cool, and we'll have that link through the, uh, the show notes on talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net. So definitely check that out. Very funny uh, videos by Watt White, and what, uh, oh, let's see, the Battle at I- Ikea I watched today, too, which was a fun watch.
2: Thanks. Yeah, the, the handmade lo-fi one-take card uh, paper cutout puppet video. And how do
1: you do the video? You know, I'm a, a video producer in, in real life. I uh, uh, like, Do you... Do you <laughs> Do you Uh, work with an editor on that or you cut that stuff yourself? you know, I
2: had made these videos. Initially, I wanted to make a video for the T-shirt song and I didn't know how to use any editing software. Then I thought, well, if I make it in one take, I don't have to edit anything. So I set up these elaborate puppet shows uh, all by myself, alone in, in the apartment in my underpants with the door locked for the day and uh, basically kind of choreographed it in one take so you can't mess up at the end. Otherwise you got to start again. And so I made all those videos in that method. Wow. Yeah. They're awesome. They're awesome. (laughs)
1: Thanks. And those are a few years old, but more recently you just put out, I guess it was what, less than a year ago, I have the storm, a song on Spotify, which has a ton of streams, right. And listens. Yeah. Uh, I have the
2: storm is this thing that's taken off kind of organically and you know, if the ghost experiences speaks to the power of the internet, this is another one of those cases. It's a song that got this viral following. Kids all around the world found this song and reposted it on a million different sort of third-party sites. They either put it to edited footage from military training or anime or mixed martial arts. And uh, one day I realized they were 55 million YouTube plays for this song. 55 million. I think it's more at did this you make point. make any money off of that? Yeah, actually. Good, yeah. <laughs> I'm working Good. with a company that actually now tracks it all. Good. Um, but we got it up on Spotify. It's at 6.5 million and it just grows every day. Wow. So I'm making new music in that sort of vein that I think the fans will like. And it's great to see.
1: The what kids. kind of vein would, would you consider that? You know, cause I, I'm, I, I, I listen to it and I'm like an old guy and, you know, I listen to the old stuff, but I, I can, it sounds contemporary to me, you know, it, like I was actually thinking our son Grant, who's very into like, like he likes fallout boy and stuff like that. I was thinking he would probably like this. A know?
2: friend of mine went to show it to his kid and he, the kid already knew it.
1: Really? He wow.
2: said, oh yeah, I play this every day. Wow. Not knowing it was me. It's weird how that happens. Yeah. I, I would call it, they're rock, rock tunes with contemporary production. Right. And they're all songs you could lift weights to. Right. Enter a ring to um, feel positive about yourself and feel tough.
1: Very cool. And again, that song is Eye of the Storm. And if anyone wanted to find it on Spotify, what? how would they, is, is it under Watt White? It's What's under Watt it, White. Okay. Cool. Cool. So definitely check that out. And- Right now, we're going to get into a little Locked In by Judas Priest, followed by my conversation with Chris Aiken about Turbo, the album by Judas Priest, kind of a controversial Priest record, and among other things. Chris and I speak about other things too. So let's get into that right now. Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and back on the show from the Classic Metal Show, Chris Aiken. Chris, how are you? Good, man. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. I am starting to dive into this new book that you have, Cause and Effect Turbo. Of course, we're talking about the Turbo record by Judas Priest, and it's interesting because I just finished KK Downing's book, and now I'm going right into your brand new book and. Turbo is definitely, you know, an album that I always loved. But I feel like when I talk about the record with fellow Priest fans, a lot of times I get such a negative reaction. And that's why I was kind of glad to read your book and and hear your opinions on it, because this was a really good record, wasn't it?
7: I thought it was, man. I I mean, is it the best Priest record? No. And I don't think any, I don't think the band even would tell you that, but I, I probably like you, I always thought it got this bad rap. You know, for the time that it was that it was released, it fit perfectly with the time. And, you know, I I, I know I compared it in the book to um Ultimate Sin by Ozzy. Right. And very much a, a same the same style of record. They changed their sound a little bit, not too much, but enough to fit with the time. But yeah, hardcore priest fans, they they definitely didn't like it back then. They still don't like it now, but that's what made it fun to to do this book. So, you know, I I enjoyed writing it and I enjoyed revisiting it more than anything. You know, obviously you spend three, four, five, six months writing a book like this. You you listen to that record over and over and over again. So you know, I definitely re relearned the record and refound my love for the record. I still think it's a great record.
1: Absolutely. And why do you think that Ozzy, in some ways, and you you know, correct me if you disagree with me, but I felt like when the Ultimate Sin came out, people didn't have nearly the problem that they had with with Turbo. You know, the, it was almost like he got a pass, and I don't know if that's because he gradually worked into Ultimate Sin, you know, Bark at the Moon was kind of a, a stepping stone between, you know, the first two Randy Rhodes records to Ultimate Sin. I, I don't know. I just always felt like Ozzy never got hit quite as hard by his fan base for that album as Priest did for Turbo.
7: Yeah, you know, the only thing I could think of with Ozzy, and you're right, and I'm, I'm, I never thought of that, but I think with Ozzy, people were almost afraid to... <laughs> You know, uh, afraid to say anything with Ozzy because he was such—he was already such an icon. And Priest, I don't know, I, I think Priest were coming off of such great records. I mean, if you look at, you know, back to back to back, you got, what, British Steel, Defenders of the Faith, and Screaming for Vengeance. That I think most Priest fans, they may not go to those exact three, but they'll point to that section of Judas Priest's career and say, yeah, that was by far the high point. And then they went to Turbo, which was so different, and it, it just it just sent shockwaves to Priest fans. I think even with Ozzy, even though the music might have been mellower, the messaging was still kind of the same. Right. And I think that might be why he got a pass. I mean, Judas Priest went from sci-fi to love songs, and it was like, whoa, where did this come from? This is not the... This is not Freewheel Burning band anymore. This is, you know, I love you and want to have sex with you band now. Right? You know, it just turned into such a different band on Turbo that I think that, especially, hard, you know, how hardcore metal fans are, man. They're just like,
5: metal! Right. And that's right. it.
7: <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's the same people that just pretend that the 80s and hair metal didn't exist at all you know, they're, they're the same ones that had the problem then and still have the problem now with Turbo.
1: Right on. And again, we're talking with Chris Aiken, who has a great new book out called Cause and Effect Turbo, of course, about the Judas Priest record Turbo. And not only about that record, you go into personal stories and how the record related to you and this time in your life, which I always enjoy reading about. I liked the, uh, in the beginning there, the but lifting the tapes from Kmart and how you would decoy the uh, <laughs> the uh, security guard. And I, I actually had a, a similar scam going on with, with Kmart where my, my friend worked the cashier and, and I'd go up and he'd charge me for like one album and I'd walk out with like 10. So <laughs> it was the Yeah, we were, all quite yeah.
7: The, we were all quite the scumbags in the 80s, weren't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and you felt like it was totally okay for priests to kind of change courses um, with their musical style. And, and at least that's what I got from the book. And wouldn't you say that this was rather a diverse band? And to me, like it shouldn't have been so unexpected that they would have gone in a more commercial route, especially with all their touring and their success that they were having in America at that time. Um, why do you think Turbo, do you think those things played into how Turbo came out sounding?
7: Um, you know, yes and no. I mean, I I think Judas Priest was always a little bit at, at least in the in those days, they were they were always they seemed to be a little bit of, and this is kind of weird, but they were somewhat of a follower band. They always they always kind of took cues from other bands a little bit, but i mean th- then they blazed their own way with taking those cues i i think think they saw success, you know especially when when you look at that when when we talk about turbo, we have to talk about the five years previous to really set the sta- set the stage for them. I mean they always had such big iconic songs, but they weren't really radio friendly songs you know your metal gods and you know that that type of stuff and then they all of a sudden had a couple of hits you know they had you know living after midnight and you know stuff like that and you got another thing coming that found their way to the radio and i think priest kind of saw what was going on you know with with the change in music and the the advent of heavier hard rock metal being on the radio and they were looking to adapt a little bit to what was going on, to, to even have bigger success. I mean, in, in the end, and I think fans always forget this, but in the end, it's a, you know, Judas Priest was a business, and they they were in the business of making, making big hit records. And they, you know, it wouldn't have done them very much good to come out with Painkiller in 1986. It would have been right. a monument flop. You know, because the the world wasn't ready for that. What the world was ready for was Turbo Lover and Parental Guidance. You know, our, I, I I personally just think that they were, you know, they were in a good place. They were in a, well, most of them were. I guess Halford wasn't. But the, the rest of the band was in a very good place. And they were comfortable adapting to the time. And unlike the fans that have thrown backlash to it, they they really were not in a place where they were like, what are the fans going to think? Are they going to be upset that we're not as heavy? They were like, hey, cool, this is this sounds cool and this is fun and it's the 80s, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, so let's do it. And right. I really think that's just all that they were doing.
1: You know, and you mentioned Painkiller, which is a record that didn't sell nearly the amount of units that, that Turbo did, mm-hmm. but yet in in the history books and when you talk to people, it's looked upon much more fondly i think by some of the hardcore priest fans sure. and i don't know i i think turbo was a better record song for song i thought it had better songwriting on it the better hooks uh but but why do you think painkiller is looked upon in such a fond light as opposed to turbo heavier yeah it, it,
7: it was it was the return to heavy uh you know to, it, to me, I and Painkillers my favorite record of okay. Judas Priest of all of them, but it, it, it was so much heavier and it, it for me personally, uh, you know, it followed what I thought was their worst record, which was uh, which Ram I down, I still yeah. can't listen to Ram It Down is terrible. Yeah, you know, I, I I just can't even even I don't like that. I like that one less than I do even Nostradamus. Right, you know, it, I just don't like that record at all. It's just so cheap. It's like they they found the right formula with turbo, the combination of, of metal and a little bit of cheese and a little bit of relationship rock and whatever. But then they just went overboard with the, with the follow up songs. You know, it, it's as the, as the story goes, there's, there's quite a few songs on Ram it down that were written for turbo when it was supposed to be a double album. And yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense why those songs didn't even make turbo because they weren't very good. But Painkiller, I think I think Priest realized, you know, after the backlash that they took from from both Turbo and then Johnny be good, the single and whatnot, Priest was getting pummeled by their fans and they're like, All right, well, we're gonna make the most metal record we've ever made. Right. And and they did. And I think the hardcore fans it, it just goes back to prove that you can't please everybody because yeah. the hardcore fans came running right back to it and all the 80s hair metal fans that they had gained from the past five years, the five years previous with Turbo and with Ram It Down, they all ran for cover when they heard, you know, when they heard the song Painkiller, they were like, oh no, this can't, this doesn't sound anything like Motley Crue. I can't listen to this, you know, and, and they just went scurrying. And, you know, for Priest, I, I think, you know, it was a return I think Priest now gets. I think the reason they get the grace for for painkiller is because they they kind of redeem themselves with the really hardcore people, right. and and that's you know and and I mean even if you go further because right after that then health leaves and you get Jugulator but Jugulator is just. Uh, Just a menacing heavy record. Mm -hmm. But it it just it kind of shows that Priest were sort of, you know, in that zone. You know, they were they were trying to be more metal than they had ever been before. And I don't know if it worked or it didn't work for them. But I mean, the band are definitely legends now. And I I think a lot of people point to Painkiller as saving their career. Right on. And you saw
1: them on the Turbo tour, Tour or Fuel for Life was the name of the tour. You saw them on that tour. You talk mm-hmm. a little bit about it in the book. Again, the book is Cause and Effect, Turbo, and what do you remember about that that concert that you saw at Richmond? What was it, Richfield Coliseum, Rich, right? Uh, yeah, which was yep. about I think two months before I saw them. They they swung back around through the Midwest. I saw them at the Rosemont Horizon in August, I okay. believe. You saw them in May. Uh, there was a there were a lot of new songs in the set list six six new oh. songs, and I remember them going over well. What do you remember about the concert?
7: Yeah, I I remember that, dude, it it was received very well. The thing, you know, and I was, you know, as a kid, I was 1986, I was 17 years old. And I just remember going to that show and it was, you know, it was this big, huge event. And, you know, back in those days, everything was a big, huge event. I mean, if you think back to that time, that was also when Dio's on stage fighting dragons and stuff on stage. You know the the concerts were. It was more than a concert. It was a, like a theatrical thing. And Priest was very much in that game. You know they had that crazy stage with the claws that lifted up the lifted up KK and um, Tipton, and um, you know they had all those different risers and stuff. And it was almost like like they took their cue maybe from even Kiss because Kiss had always done all that big stuff. Right. And now all of a sudden now Judas Priest was doing it. But it was a giant production. It they definitely were working hard to promote Turbo. I think they they truly believed that Turbo that Turbo was was a great record. And, and you know, I just talked to KK maybe 2 months ago or a month ago and he said the same thing. He said that that was one of his favorite times in the history of the band because they were they believed in that record and it was very evident on the tour when they're you know when they're playing half the record you know every single night that they believed in it even if the fans weren't weren't jumping on it they certainly believed that that record was worth trying to push like pushing them to the next level and for me as a seventeen year old kid you know in in that time frame seeing you know Van Halen for the first time with Sammy Hagar and Matt and Dio and Bon Jovi and Ozzy and Judas Priest you know that's all in that same that same maybe 6 8 month time period all of those major tours were out and Priest was maybe the best of all of those that I right. got to see
1: was that the first time you saw Dokken too opening up for Priest on
7: No that? I had seen I had, my my history with Dokken goes way before that I really? had actually wow. I had actually seen Doc, and the first time I saw them was two, three years earlier wow. when they opened for Twisted Sister on um, Stay Hungry Tour. Okay, and cool. Dude, I, I, I had such a, talk about, talk about luck, you know, as a kid, as a young kid, my mom was a banker and she was like ultra cool, but she was the, the big concert promoter here in Cleveland was a company called Belkin Productions. And she was the personal banker for the main guy that that worked at Belkin Productions. His name was Barry Gable. And so every week Barry would come in to do the, the the banking for the business and he would just give her tickets and passes and whatever to whatever was coming through town. And she she was always like a rock chick, you know, as as a mom, I guess. Right. But, right. You know, and I mean I mean, as long as I can remember back, I saw Zeppelin in 77. Really? Wow. Old, and she, she took me to see Led Zeppelin. You know, I mean, she was like cool, hip mom. Right. That's awesome. So in 80-whatever, 3-4, I wanted to see um, Twisted Sister. I was a huge fan. We're not going to take it and, you know, Burnin' Hell and all those songs. And my mom takes took me, and then we went backstage to, to meet um, the band. And, and I mean, so I was, you know, much like you, I was ingratiated to not only the music, but, you know, I actually got to, to meet bands and stuff really young, which I, I honestly believe is what led me into wanting to be involved in the music business, you know, up to this day. And and I still, I still look at those days and, you know, early, early docking, 83, 84, that was what tooth and nail, you know? tooth and nail docking and I saw it at, at long before anybody really knew you know who Dockin was it was just, i i've I've been involved and you you know this dude because you've worked you've worked with musicians as well you know a lot of them isn't it weird we how these guys that we idolized as kids now we're like friendly with these guys yeah. or we've with them or whatever yeah it's such an odd if you would have told me the in 1982 or 84 or whatever that yeah, someday you'll be the webmaster for docking or you'll be booking shows for enough's enough for whoever it was. I'd have been like, you know what? You're full of shit. That's never going to happen. I'll be happy to shake their hand one day. And then here it is, you know, that that's what we do. And it's just, it's, it's led to be kind of a cool life, you know?
1: Absolutely. And again, we're talking with Chris Aiken who has, I think three books out now that are under the cause and effect uh, banner, I do. right? And they are yeah, available I... on com. You also have other books out. Uh, how many books total now, Chris?
7: I have, um, I have five, five with the Judas Priest. Um, I'm going to finish number six in December. I'm actually taking a month off of actual work work to finish number six. And then, I start, um, then, then I'll start number seven, which is going to be cause and effect risk. Oh, you know, cool. that's, that's the next one i'm gonna i'm gonna tackle an album that i don't actually like but i i definitely know divided the fan base of of megadeth fans you know greatly
1: and so far with the cause of cause and effect ones we have obviously the brand new one turbo we have mm-hmm. the self-titled motley Crue one right and then was it the mm-hmm. black black album was it yeah. yeah
7: yeah Metallica black album
1: right cool Cool. And again, ChrisAikenbooks.com is where you can get all Chris's books. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on another note, K.K. Downing has has reemerged these last sure. few months and has been giving a ton of interviews. Sure. And do you feel like I don't know I feel like there's this backlash about uh, towards him. And I don't really know that he's saying anything too bad in the press i just feel like is he's being treated maybe a little unfairly what's your opinion on that
7: yeah you know what it's the standard in today's world where everybody's offended about everything right and you know i I mean i i interviewed kk as part of this this thing for the book which i i honestly think is a great book if people want to read it um but i you know i interviewed him i asked him you know some some moderately tough questions and i didn't come out of my interview even my own personal interview thinking okay well he was a real dick and he said some nasty things or whatever i thought okay what a you know what an honest guy right and then sure enough you know within within four hours my own interview was on blabbermouth Mm -hmm. with a with a pullout quote of you know, of him saying something that was a little against uh, Richie Faulkner. You know, my 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 claim to blabbermouth fame this for this for this book was the thing about saying that he was insulted about them getting a, a, a K.K. Downing look-alike, right? On you know to replace, him. and I really didn't get the impression from talking to him. And it's funny because I actually did, you know, go back and listen to my own interview and listen to what he said, and he wasn't being negative. He was just being like, you know, I would have, he was, he was more commenting on what he knew of as Judas Priest. And he was more just saying, you know, I was really surprised that they didn't just bring in somebody to do their own thing. Instead, they just tried to mimic me. And, and, and it wasn't nasty, but he, you're right. He's getting, he says things the way he says things. We're honest, and he's just getting hammered by, you know, the the fans especially. And and you know, it's it's grain of salt things. You know, I, I mean, I read blabbermouth, and I'm appreciative of of blabbermouth as much as anybody in the world. That being said, not as appreciative of all the commenters on right, blabbermouth times right. you know anybody says anything, and it's just a cause to be offended and shocked and outraged, and it's just like just stop. You know, he didn't say anything that bad. If he would have, have come out and said, yeah, I wish Rob Halford would have died versus ke- continuing on. OK, now you got a quote. But he didn't <laughs> right, say that. Right, he he, right. Said, he said, you know, I really wish they would have called me when Glenn got sick. And, you know, that's really been his message. And it's just been interpreted like he doesn't care that Glenn is sick. And it's like, yeah. dude, just stop. That's not what he's saying at all. It's just not.
1: Right. Totally. Totally. And you mentioned earlier that you you work with Dokken on their website. And I know you're Mm -hmm. tight with those uh, those guys. Do you do you ever see a time where we would get like a tour of the classic Dokken lineup again in this country? I know they did those, you know, Japanese Mm -hmm. shows and the one off in I think, what was it like South Dakota or something? Do you do you think that that would ever happen, like a, a full North American tour with Lynch, Pilsen, Brown, and Don? Nah, no.
7: I, I I mean, anything's possible. I mean, George George showed up for a show and played a show with Don like a month month and a half ago in, in Wisconsin, and it just it was like, eh. you know, I I don't think Don needs it. I don't think I think Don. From talking to Don, I think he was surprised how well the Japanese thing went. And everything, I mean, Don's pretty honest with, with, with me and with Neely from the show. And he would have told us, yeah, you know, if, if he had problems. And he was like, no, it went pretty well, whatever. But I think those guys just have a, have a thing with them that there's no way they could do thirty shows in thirty days. And I don't and right. I don't believe that it would be lucrative enough lucrative enough to do. You know, I mean for better or for worse, I would it draw some people? Yeah, I think it would, but like last night I was out at the um the Hair Nation tour, the uh, Bullet Boys Enough's enough right. great yep. white. Yep. And you know, I was in a big room that had like I was in like an eighteen hundred seat room that had four hundred people in it. Right. And that's with three bands. And yeah, Dokken was probably bigger than all three of those bands, but not by a lot. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just can't, I can't see, especially now after they put out that DVD that was, you know, less than good, you know, uh, I, I can't see that the interest would be there to do 2,000 people every single night for 30 nights and, I mean, if and if we're only talking about two thousand people, where's the financial reason to do it, and to you know piss off your current band that you do make, you know twenty thousand a night with, right? There, there, I I don't see the reason. I don't see the the valid enough reason for Don to do it. I don't see a valid enough reason for Jeff to put Foreigner on hold to do it. You know, and Lynch, you know, where's he going to fit that in between his other eighteen bands?
1: right on right yep. on. you know oh, yeah. it's 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 interesting because you mentioned the uh the whatever they're calling it the serious hair nation tour with mm-hmm. bullet boys enough's enough and um great jack russell's great white not being anywhere near close to sold out you know to circle back to priest um the they've i've seen them the last three times they've played in new jersey and it's always been just an excellent show however the last time i saw them i i mean attendance was not great i mean i'm just being honest here it was a place that holds like 18,000 people you know and when i saw the the slayer tour there earlier in this summer packed when i saw ozzy a week later after priest completely packed but for priest and mm-hmm. deep purple you know we're talking like 3 maybe 4,000 people in in the place yeah sure. definitely less than half full why do you think priest never quite was able to Reel in that devoted fan base that bands like Slayer, Ozzy, Maiden were able to pull in. I mean, because to me, they're right up there. They're 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 just sure. as good. They're a great bands. So much maybe more diversity than than Maiden. I would say definitely more diversity than Maiden. Maybe that was the problem. I don't know why didn't why, why has Priest not quite maintained that that legendary status uh and and why is their draw less than say maiden
7: um well i mean there's a few reasons i mean certainly certainly they've taken risks musically that people don't like you know i mean I love turbo you seem to you seem like you like turbo as well yes but a lot of people didn't so you know there was that there's that period there's definitely Nostradamus which you know, people don't like. Yeah. You know, I I don't know that I could ever listen to that record again. But, yeah. and people don't want to hear that stuff live. Um and the thing with those guys, I, I think, you know, all the bands that you listed had some Slayer's iconic in their own right, you know, just because it's just Slayer's like Skinner in a way. You know, for heavy metal people going to Slayer you don't even have to like Slayer to go to see Slayer because it's Slayer right you know and and I don't think Judas Priest had that I think Judas Priest was more of a a working class band and because they were that that you know it didn't draw quite as many people and the other thing too is they weren't really a a great MTV band you know when, when you when you think of like Ozzy Ozzy was was much, had much more presence on MTV than Judas Priest. I mean, if you think of all Judas Priest hits, there really weren't videos for anything but like what Turbo, Turbo Lover, you yeah. know that people remember. Right. I mean, I mean, I remember the video of Freewheel Burning, but that song was so heavy that that at the time that people probably were like, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it just they they didn't have all of the elements to to maintain it but i agree with you you know i i personally judas my my favorite bands of all time are pantera one metallica two judas priest three nice in that order and and i love judas priest and i've seen them a bunch of times you know and to your point about right now i don't think a lot of people are i don't want to say that they're they're not buying that this is judas priest but they're not feeling what they're doing right now without glenn and without kk you know, me, me, who's like the I, I'm i one of those guys that was that's OK with most lineups as long as you're giving me the songs. Yeah. But but Judas Priest with the guitar tandem of Richie Faulkner and Andy Sneap. Nah, that's not worth That's I'm not going to spend 80, 90 dollars a ticket for that. No right. way. Right.
1: What do you think of Firepower? Did you like it?
7: I like it very much. Yeah. I think it's a great Rob Halford solo record. Right. 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 <laughs>
1: All right. Fair enough. Chris, it's always great talking with you. We encourage everyone to go to com and pick up the new Cause and Effect book that Chris has written on the Turbo album. Of course, there's the Classic Metal Show live every Saturday night and yeah. also on iTunes and Spreaker and everywhere you get your your podcasts. And uh, any, any cool interviews coming up on the Classic Metal Show that you want to tell us about?
7: Um, I don't, you know what? I don't even know what's coming. (laughs) Right. You know, I, I just do them. The publicist sends me a link. It says, will you? And I always say yes. And then I just do them. Um, I thought my, my KK Downing one was, was especially cool. Yeah. And just as a fan and nothing else. And I know it probably doesn't mean anything to 99% of the listeners, but I could not have been more geeked to interview Aldo Nova last week.
1: Oh, nice. Cool. That
7: was just. You know, for me, that was bucket list the same way for most people, Ozzy or James Hetfield would be, you know. it's
1: Awesome. Just
7: talk about revisiting your, your young youth and doing that. But, you know, we do what we do. And, um, you know, we interview everybody that comes down the pike. I think I'm interviewing Jakey Lee next week, which for oh, me, cool. that'll be exciting because that's another guy that I somehow have not ever interviewed.
1: Yeah, I haven't either. I haven't either. I, I put in a request for that today, so we'll we'll see. But uh <laughs> Yeah, and you did a great job with Rob Dukes. I I love where he uh smokes his <laughs> bowl or whatever he was doing in the middle of the interview.
7: He just was like, "Hey, do you mind if I get high right now?" He's right. like, "Hey, go ahead, brother." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a great interview. Excellent listen. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. All right, Chris, well, thank you so much for speaking with us again and we'll have the uh the links up where everyone can pick up the new book Cause and Effect Turbo. Of course, uh, all about Judas Priest's turbo record, as well as a, a good um, insight into into you, Chris Aiken. Yes. So, period. thanks
7: for having me, as always, dude. I definitely appreciate it.
1: By Judas Priest. Definitely support Chris and his book. I, I read about half of it so far, and it is fantastic. Really love it. So go get it. And all his cause and effect books. I own all three of them now, and they're they're just great. I really enjoyed the one on Motley Crue to the self-titled record. We are hanging with Emily and Watt and myself here in Maplewood, New Jersey. Watt, what type of music. Did you grow up on did you did you were you a metal guy were you a hardcore guy punk guy what what was
2: where are your roots My roots you know I was a real sort of monogamous music maniac when I was younger and I was a real late bloomer with hard and heavy music I just listened to pop music right. for a long time and I started a cover band and my drummer who was into heavy music made me a tape a cassette tape it was called "Wake Up, Wattman and it was two sides of heavy music. It had
4: "Wake Up, Wat Man." Had, That's it, fantastic.
2: I think it started with, um, you know, Pantera.
4: <laughs> I miss mixtapes. <laughs> mixtapes.
2: It changed I my life. This mixtape.
4: Yeah, it it does change your life. You know, it
2: had it had Pantera on there, and and just a bunch of stuff that I had never I had never heard this kind of music, and it freaked me out. And it just kind of started my life again. And uh, at some point, I think uh, he got me into Kiss at a you know at, a, at an older age like as an adult which is kind of weird and we went to the reunion and I decided to rededicate my life to rock nice. music so I was late in the game and then in the late '90s, I started a costumed rock and roll superhero band with nine-inch platform boots and stage props and characters and a comic oh, book. Oh, you're
4: a nerd, why? Yeah, I'm a nerd. You're a nerd. Oh, I love back. it. Welcome from to the way club. Back.
2: <laughs> Another reason I feel this kinship with Ghost, you know? Right. Oh, they yeah. got it right. They got the costume band right. We couldn't quite figure it out. Um, so yeah, I was a late bloomer cool. and uh, changed my life.
1: And so. You obviously have skills as a musician and it sounds like as a a recording engineer, do you like, what do you, what's your, what's your day job? Like what, what keeps you busy?
2: Well, you know, at this point when you're making music, you kind of have to do, wear all the hats. Yes. And, uh, years ago when I was trying to make it with my band, my now wife said to me, Hey, wouldn't you like it if. Music were also your day job. And I wound up getting into music for advertising, commercials. I started as a singer in commercials and got into voiceover and finally leaned over enough shoulders and saw how people use laptops and Pro Tools to make music and gradually taught myself to become a producer and engineer. So now when I want to make a Ghostbusters song, I have right. all the tools right in front of me. Right. It's awesome. So it all led to the Ghostbusters, Ghost as Ghostbusters. You know, it all culminated here. And now I'm at the pinnacle, I'm yeah, at the apex. The yeah. Uh, of my career I, I should probably retire right now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. drive off a cliff in, gl- in glory blaze of glory <laughs>
1: right on right on cool and we we mentioned josh bernstein who's a mutual friend he's
2: more than, he's name. a mensch. A, mensch a handsome handsome man yeah
1: great
2: yeah. yeah. right, and the hair i don't know where yeah. to begin with i, that I
1: said that i said that to somebody once i said uh I said to John Wiederhorn, who knows, who write, great writer, John Weederhorn. I said, yeah, Josh is a really good looking guy. He's like, sure oh, is. oh, it sounds like you have kind of a man crush on <laughs> yeah.
4: I was like Who does have a crush on, <laughs> on Josh Bernstein? Yeah. I don't know. It's
2: a, yeah. it's a short
1: list. And he's on, I guess, the Jericho cruise right now. He I, is. Yeah. He's he on the Jericho cruise. Yeah.
2: He's yeah. the real rock and wrestling connection. It's he, he yes. all in him. He is the true okay. connection between those two entities.
1: Cool. It's been great talking with you here on Talking Metal, episode 780. Again, if you want to hear us talk, it's actually Emily, John Astronomy, and myself go into a discussion about the smash up for about five minutes on I, episode one. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. I uh, hope it's October. all good things. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. October 28th, 2006. And wow. John reminds me, he's like, oh, you actually wrote a review of their EP on, on the site, which I can't find that. That's, I guess gone from the internet at this point but uh but yeah we were we were fans okay. of you back in the day so it's it's very yeah, funny it's a slow
2: yeah. r- years ago. slow wait, rise to the top
1: wait, yeah 12 years ago yeah like, we were talking about you dude right <laughs> yeah well you're so at least cool so we're gonna you know what i hope you don't mind what but i'm gonna i'm gonna play a song that i i used to love and i listened to it again today and i still love it this is going way back to 2004 wow this is a song called Icarus Flies. Yes. And it yes. was the opening song on your EP. And the other thing, I was trying to figure out how I discovered you guys. And and I guess after I listened back to episode 105 today, I'm assuming it's because I saw you open opening for my then girlfriend's band. Crazy. Emily. I don't even know if we were engaged at that point. I guess we must've been. So we brought you
2: together is what you're saying. (laughs)
1: This is meant to be. Well, not quite, but, but then I look at this, the, the back of this, this, uh, EP and it was recorded where Emily recorded and where my good friend worked at Big Blue Meanie. Yes. Yeah. We did. Yeah, and the, and she recorded there and my yeah, good friend uh who I still do some TV work with now and again, Arun Venkatesh. He's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and I, he and I played in a band together.
2: No way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had a band called wow. Hollywood Superstars, which was a theatrical over-the-top story-based thing, almost like Ghost. See, like you said, see, Ghost got it right and see, we didn't. there's but yeah.
2: reason we're all here. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a small <laughs> world. Thanks for stopping by tonight. And Absolutely. we encourage everyone to check out your YouTube channel, which we're going to link through the show notes. And yeah, to take us out, here is a song, which I'm not sure I, exists anyway. It's not on Spotify. Hard to find. Yeah. So we'll play it here in its entirety. This is The Smash Up from 2004 featuring Watt White. This is Icarus Flies. Great song. Listen to this, guys. It's really good. It's going to take us out. Support us with our Amazon links and be sure to support YouTube music. Get the premium. And uh, that's uh, supporting them is how you support us. All right. Thanks so much.
3: Don't lie. Strap on these wings and push out to the cliff now. Think you're gonna fly? You're alive when they put a bullet through you. On your way to immortality, not me. They-